morning, everyone. My name is Jordan, and I'm one of the pastors here at eFree. If you were a guest with us today, we are so excited that you're here with us. We hope that you find our church to be welcoming and inviting, that people are friendly and kind to you, and you find a place to belong with us here at eFree. I want to say hello to everybody here in the auditorium. Hello to everybody over in the venue and anybody watching online. Good morning and welcome. We're so glad you could all join us here together. So we are continuing our series, as Carrie said, A Beautiful Mess, and today we're going to talk about how we're different together. We're different together, and that's a great thing. So as we begin, would you imagine with me that church is over and you're going to lunch, and you're going to go to your favorite restaurant that has a host or a hostess. It's a fancier place, and as you open the door to go in the restaurant, you notice that your normal host or hostess is not standing there, but instead it's someone that has a chef hat on and a uniform. And they have a bowl of onions and a cutting board and another empty bowl, and they're dicing onions and put it in there. Like, well, this is interesting. So you say, hey, we'd like a table for four, please. Without looking up, they say, well, then find one. Like, oh, not the warmest toast I've ever had. They're like, okay, I'm going to go find a spot. So then you start to look for a space, and you notice that the place is pretty much full, but there is a couple tables in the corner that are open. And so you go and you sit down in one of the corner tables. But as you sit down, you notice that there's not really servers today, but there's other people wearing chef hats and chef uniforms. And you overhear the closest person to you, and they're trying to order, but the chef keeps arguing with them. They go, I would like a steak, but I would like it well done. They go, blasphemy. Like, I won't let you order a steak like that. It has to be medium rare, or you can't have a steak. Like, no, I want a steak, but I want it well done. No, you have to order something else. Like, this is the weirdest restaurant ever. What's going on? So you go, okay, I'm just going to look in the back. You know, maybe like all the hosts and the servers are in the back and they're having some sort of meeting and I don't know what's going on. So you go back and you crane your neck in the kitchen area and there's just more chefs, chef hats, and they're all at the grill and they're arguing over how stuff should be cooked and they're fighting over who gets to do the cooking. Like, this is crazy. What's going on? As you walk back to your table, you pass another person in a chef hat who is carrying cleaning supplies and they walk into the bathroom and before the door shuts, they walk back out and you go, there's no way that bathroom is clean. So you get back to your table and you say, don't use the bathroom. And then that's when the manager comes running over. And you go, what is going on? They go, I'm so sorry. I am so, so sorry. We had all of our hosts and hostesses quit. We had all of our servers quit. I tried to hire new ones, but all I could ever hire is chefs, more and more chefs. And I thought they could do the jobs, but they're really struggling. We can't get them to do the jobs. And so please, would you bear with us today? So that's how I imagine a restaurant would be if every job was by a chef, that they didn't have all the other skills, the other abilities that are necessary for a restaurant to run. Well, this morning, we're going to look at a church who they all wanted the same skill. They all wanted the same gift, the same ability. And so we're going to find out that the church needs a bunch of different gifts or abilities in order for the church to function and to run the way it's supposed to run. And so this morning, we're going to talk about the different gifts we have. And as I say gifts... Don't think like presents with a wrapping around it. Think of a gift as you're gifted at something. And so we're going to talk about the different spiritual gifts that we might have as a group of people and why it's so good that we are different, why you have a different gift than I have. And as I talk this morning, I might say we all have different gifts. And I say that, please know that I don't mean that every single one of us has a different gift, that there's probably a group of people in this church that has the same gift I have. But the majority of you have a different gift than me. 
And there's a, a group of people that have the same gift you have, but the majority of people have a different gift than you have. So if I say we all have different gifts, I don't mean every single one of us has a different gift, but there's little pockets, but the majority of people have a different gift. So as we talk about gifts, there are two dangers that we can encounter when we talk about gifts. So the first danger is that everyone wants the same gift. We want the same gift. That we all decide, okay, this is the most important gift, or this is the most visible gift, or this gift gets the most recognition. And so we all want that gift. And we're going to look at a church this morning that that was the problem in their church. They all decided we want this one gift, and they were fighting over trying to get that gift. And if you didn't have that gift, then you weren't as important. And some people were feeling like, I should just leave the church because I don't have this one gift. So that's a problem because it creates discontentment with the gift that I have. So if everyone wants the same gift and I don't have that gift, then I go, God, why did you give me this gift and give them that gift? That's the better gift. Why didn't you give me that gift? But the second part is that everyone, or the second danger is that everyone should have my gift or skill. And the danger here is that it creates discontentment with the gift that you have, that maybe I can teach. And so I can lead a small group and we need more small group leaders. And so I go, well, you should all be able to do this because you should have this gift but you don't have that gift because God gave you a different gift to use in a different area. And so we don't want to get into this trap of thinking, well, everyone should have the same gift I have because it creates discontentment with the gifts that you have, that God put time and effort and thought into when he gave you that gift, that he didn't just randomly say, hey, you have a gift and you have a gift. No, he thought, I'm gonna give this gift to this person for their role they're gonna play inside their church as they... Um, help to make disciples. And so that's the point of the gifts. The point of no matter what gift you have, it's to help make disciples. So when Charles talked, uh, when he spoke a few weeks ago, he talked about the Great Commission and how we want to go make disciples of all nations. And so the way we talk about that here at E-Free is through our mission statement. And our mission statement is we're building a transformational community by growing in love with Christ and all people. And so we want to build this transformational community. And if you believe in and trust in Jesus, then the Holy Spirit comes into your life. And as he comes into your life, he gifts you in some way. He gives you some ability to use inside the church to help build that transformational community, to help make disciples. And so that's what we're going to talk about this morning. So let me pray, and then we'll give some back, I'll give you some background on this church we're going to talk about. Father God, I thank you for all my friends here in the auditorium, for my friends in the venue, my friends online. God, I pray that you would help us. God, I pray that if this is a conversation that is new, God, that you would help each person to understand their role that they have um, as you give them gifts. And God, I pray that if there's anybody that knows their gift but they're discontent with it and they just go, I don't want this gift. God, I pray that you would help them to see the important role that they have. And God, I pray that you would move us all to have this desire inside of our hearts to be part of this greater whole that is our church body, that we would um, join together to make disciples, join together to build a transformational community so that more and more people in Kearney, Nebraska, and the surrounding area can come to know you and love you and experience your goodness in their own lives, that they would come to faith and trust in you, and they would join us in building um, a bigger and better community as we come to know you and love you. God, I pray this all in your son's name. Amen. All right, so we are going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 and 6. So 1 Corinthians is in the New Testament, so it's towards the back of your Bible. It goes Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians. 
So if you get to Acts, Romans, go to the right, you'll find 1 Corinthians. If you get to 2 Corinthians or Galatians, Ephesians, Colossians, you're too far to the right, go back to the left, and you will find 1 Corinthians. So as you're flipping there, I want to give you some background on Corinth. This is the city that the Corinthians are located in. And in Corinth, um, it is a very strategically placed city between two major land masses, and it's an important trade city. Because the two land masses are connected by a narrow strip of land. And to get to that land, you have to go through Corinth. So if you're over here and you want to trade with these people over here, you have to go through Corinth. If you're over here and you want to trade with those people, got to go through Corinth. And so Corinth was a very diverse city. And so it was racially diverse. There was Greeks and Romans and Syrians and Asians, Egyptians and Jews that all lived in the city. But it was also known for being very socially diverse. There were slaves and free people and freed people that compiled the lower and middle class people as well as some nobles that lived in the city. It was also known for excess and sexual liberty and wildness. That if something had been perverted, you said it had been Corinthianized. So that's not what you want tied to your city. But that's the city of Corinth. So Paul shows up in the city and he begins sharing the gospel telling people that Jesus, he lived and he died for them and he was resurrected to new life and so now they can love him and follow him and obey him. And so people begin to trust and believe and they come forward and they begin to form this church in the city of Corinth. So it probably would have consisted of men and women from each of those people groups in the city, the Greeks and the Romans, the Asians, Egyptians, and Jews, who either were slaves or free or had been freed in the lower and middle classes. And many, if not most of them, would have come from pagan backgrounds. That if they were not Jewish, they would have come from a pagan background, that they would have had um, a lot of unrestrained lifestyles prior to coming to faith in Jesus. And so this is a beautiful picture of what Jesus does when he shows up in someone's life. He brings people that would otherwise not be together, together, and they sit side by side in church. So you might have had someone who was very... um, an Orthodox Jewish person who grew up following all these kosher laws, sitting next to someone who had been a former temple prostitute, and they're all in the same church. So that's going to create some tension. So what you need to know about the, city, the church of Corinth is this is not your grandma's sewing circle that decided we're going to form a Bible study. This is a bunch of wild people that had wild lifestyles, and then Jesus got a hold of them, and now they're trying to run a church. The other thing you need to know is Paul is writing to them Because they all decided they wanted the gift of tongues. That for whatever reason, in this time period, if you could speak in tongues, this unknown language, it was viewed as more important. You were viewed as um, uh, you had more fame and honor. And so people wanted this. And so people were trying to get this gift, and people had that gift, they were elevated, and people that didn't have that gift were being pushed to the side or even going, man, is there even a spot for me here? Like, I can't speak in tongues. Should I even be here? And so Paul is writing to them to say, stop it. You guys are being ridiculous. So verse, that's my, my, uh, my version of what he says. He doesn't actually say that. So that's the one second version. All right, verse four. Verse four. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. So the first thing that Paul is going to hammer on with the group of the Corinthians, the church, is that he wants them to know you guys are unified, that you guys are unified. So he says, there are different gifts. All of you have different gifts, but the same spirit gave you those gifts. That when you trusted in Jesus, this spirit didn't give you this gift and that person that gift. It was the same spirit that gave everybody their gifts. There was not different spirits. You had the same spirit in you. 
And then he says that it's the same Lord that gives you an opportunity to use those gifts, a place to serve. The same Lord gives you that, no matter what gift you have. And he says it's the same God the Father who's working through you as you use your gift. So think about it this way. So my son Liam is five, and so I'm trying to teach him how to use some tools. And one of the tools is a power drill. And so I give him the tool to use. He doesn't just go grab it whenever he wants it. I have to give it to him. And then I show him where to use the tool. I don't just hand him the drill and say, hey, go drill some holes in the basement. I don't do that. I like my basement. I don't want holes in random places. So I say, here's where I want you to use it. And then I help him. Then I put my hand on top of the drill, my hand on the bottom of the drill, and I study it while he pulls the trigger and he either puts a screw in or he drills a hole. And so we work together to do that. So the Spirit gives us the tool. Jesus gives us a place to use the tool. And then God the Father works through us as we use our gift. So he wants us to know that no matter what gift you have, it's the same process for everybody. It's the same process for you and your gift and the same process for you and your gift and me and my gift. It's all the same process. The same spirit gives the gift. The same Jesus gives us a place to use the gift. And then the same God works through us. So verse seven. Now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. So he wants the Corinthians to know that when you trusted in Jesus and the spirit came into your life, he gifted you in some way, and that gift was for the common good. It was for building up the church body, the church family. It wasn't for you to get praise or acclaim for yourself. It wasn't for you to earn fame in your own life. It was for the benefit of the whole group, the benefit of the whole church. This is why we have this gift. And that wasn't what was happening in the Corinthian church. They were going, okay, I have this gift. I can be more famous in our church community, more, more well-known. And she says, that's not what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be using it for the common good. Verse 8, now he's going to list off a bunch of gifts. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another miraculous powers. To another prophecy. To another distinguishing between Spirits. To another speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. So he's listing off these different gifts, and you need to know that this list is not exhaustive. This, these are not all the spiritual gifts a person can have. That there are two other lists that occur in the Bible. One is Romans 12, verses 4 through 6, and another one is Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. We're not going to read those right now. But I encourage you in your small groups or your life groups this week to take time to read those and to look to see, is there one of these gifts that resonates with me? That I go, I think I have that one. So he's listing these gifts off. And this morning, we're not going to talk about each one of these gifts. That Each one of these gifts could take a whole message to talk about. I don't have time to do all of that. But I do want to point out that when it talked about faith, maybe you're going, well, wait a minute. Like, don't we all have to have faith? Like, if we're saved, like, don't we have to have faith in Jesus to be saved? Yes, this is not saving faith that he's talking about, this gift of faith. So everybody, if you, in order to be saved, you have to trust and believe in Jesus, surrender your life to him. But that's not the faith he's talking about here. The faith he's talking about here is a, a faith that goes beyond that, a faith that is unshakable in the face of adversity, a faith that you can go through ter- terrible, horrible circumstances, and yet there's no doubt, no wonder, does God still love me? Does God care about me? Is God in my corner? That maybe you've seen these people, or you've met these people, or maybe you're this kind of person. That you're just like, I, I just have never wondered or wavered, does God love me or care about me? Is he for me? I've never wa- uh, wavered in all of that. 
That's the gift of faith. And that's something that encourages people when the church is going through a time of trial and some people are, are wavering and wondering, like, are we doing the right thing? Someone comes and says, no, this is Jesus. Jesus is in, us, in this with us. And so that's the gift of faith. The second thing that I want to mention this morning is that there are things the Bible calls us to do that sometimes we might be gifted for, and sometimes we still might be called to do it even if we're not gifted for it. So hospitality is a great example. So maybe you have the gift of hospitality. You have this ability to make people feel warm and welcome when they enter a building or they enter your home or they enter our church. But the Bible calls all of us to be hospitable even if we don't have that gift. So maybe I see someone in the, uh, out in the hallway who's standing by themselves, and I go, I don't have the gift of hospitality, but I know someone needs to talk to that person. I don't get to say, well, I don't have the gift of hospitality, so I'm going to go find someone who does have that gift and say, hey, you see that person by themselves? You should go talk to them. That's not what we do. Instead, we go, I notice them, and so I need to go, and I need to be hospitable to those people, even though I don't have that gift. So there are times that we do things even if we don't have the gift, but then there are other things that we really um, want to have that gift. So, now we go on to verse 12. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. So he's just hammering the unity here. He's coming back to saying again, no matter what gift you have, it came from the same spirit. And then when you trusted and believed in Jesus, the same spirit came into all of us. He entered into all of us. That when we were filled with the spirit, it was the same spirit that filled all of us. And so he's saying we should be unified, that we should view each other as one together. So this is our first takeaway this morning, is that we are one together as a church family. That we are one church family together. We are one body together. That when we see each other, we should think of us as a one, a, com a whole. That when I'm by myself in my home, I am not the whole church. That I need you and you need me to form this one church family, to be one together. So we are one together as a church family. This is what they were missing when they were fighting with each other and arguing over the different gifts that they have. They were dividing instead of saying, we are united that we are one church family. And when we gather together, we see this beautiful picture of our church family of this oneness. So he focuses on the unity they should have because of the same spirit they have, the same Jesus they have, the same God the Father who's working in them. But now he's gonna move to the diversity they have inside of their group because of the different gifts they've been given. So verse 14. It says, even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. That your body, my body, it isn't just made up of hands or ears or eyes. That it's all these different body parts working together to form one body. He says the church is just like this. Verse 15, now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body was an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. 
So Paul's point is he's saying, you has many parts that do crucial jobs. That if my ear was to say, ah, you know, I'm only an ear, I'm not an eye, I'm gonna get out of here. Like, what are you doing? I need to hear. You are crucial for hearing. You might not be great at seeing, but you are crucial for hearing. If my feet were to say, ah, I'm not hands, I can't pick stuff up, I'm gonna get out of here. Like, what are you doing? I need you for walking. This is very important. So every part, every gift is important. It is crucial to the role that it plays inside the church family. That if we were to compare them and say, well, you know, I have the gift of hospitality, so what good is that to teaching? Like, don't think about it that way. Think about, I have the gift of hospitality. It is crucial to hospitality. And the gift of teaching is crucial for, the, for teaching. See, see it inside the context of what it is. So you probably have experienced this in your own body. So if you're, you're young, you've never had this, then you're blessed. But if you're not, you're probably going to know what I'm saying. So um, back in November, I like tweaked my back for the first time in my life that it was like, this is bad. Like I've like pulled muscles before, but like I hurt my back in a way that I, it was one, one muscle, one muscle that I didn't know I needed that muscle to do this, but I did. And so for like two weeks, I could do this. This is all the higher. And I also didn't know that muscle in my back I needed for walking. You're like, it's my back. I think probably just can't twist, can't throw things. But no, I needed it to walk. And so my son, we live about five blocks from our school. So when the weather's nice in the morning, we walk him to school. And on the way to school, I did this, uh, like five or six times on the way to school where my back just locked up. It's like one muscle. One muscle prevents me from doing all these things that I should normally be able to do. And then it was right after Thanksgiving, we were decorating for Christmas, and we had this five-pound wreath that I was trying to help Cody hang on the wall. And it should be easy to go, here, Cody, take this. But instead, I was like, ah! And I was trying to like, lift it up to him, because of one muscle. One muscle that was not doing its job. That's how crucial all the different parts of our body are. That they are so important to do the function and the job that they are supposed to do. That we shouldn't compare and say, well, I, my hand isn't good as my feet at doing this. Like, well, because it's a hand. It's supposed to do that. Now, there are moments where you go, I'm going to use a different body part to do something that it wasn't designed to do. So, for instance, I have old school gloves that don't have the touch sensitivity in them to unlock my phone. So, I have a choice. Option one is to take my gloves off and use my, my fingers to unlock my phone in what would be like two seconds. Or option two, I can use my nose. And so, yeah, you try and unlock your phone, you're trying to like punch your passcode in, and it takes like, you know, 30 seconds or a minute, or you just give up and you take your gloves off and you do it. So this is what it's like when we have to put somebody who doesn't have that gift in a different spot, and we're going, there is a need here for people to be hospitable. We need people that are, have this hospitality gift, but we don't have enough of them in our church right now, and so we need you to smile and to say, welcome to church. And they maybe don't have that gift. And so they're trying really hard, but it's like my nose trying to unlock my phone. It's possible, but it's not as good as if we had the person who was supposed to do that gift in that role. And so Paul was saying, each of you is crucially important to do the role and the gift that you've been given. So don't look at some other gift and say, well, I can't be a part of this church because I don't have that gift. Go, what gift, God, did you give me and how can I use it here in our church? Okay, verse 21. He says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. 
and the head, the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it. So that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. So he's pointing out here that there's different parts of your body that you treat differently. So my eyes are weak. So if you try to throw sand at my face, I'm going to cover my eyes. If you try to throw sand at my feet, I'm probably still going to cover my eyes, but I don't really care if you throw sand at my feet because they're tough. They can handle it. Yeah. Um, sorry. So there are parts of my body that you can see. There's other parts that you'd be scandalized by. So his whole part of this, the reason he's saying all this, is there are gifts, there are gifts that sometimes are more visible, and there are other gifts that are less visible. And so don't pursue a gift because it's visible, because it's just as important if it's not visible. It's just as crucial to the body, that there are some things that we give more focus to than others, but that doesn't mean those other ones that get less focus are less important. He says, just because people want this gift, don't just go after that gift, but instead embrace the gift you've been given. So in all of this, we get to our second takeaway, what Paul was sharing, is that we are gifted differently from one another. We are gifted differently from one another. So again, as I said earlier, that there's some people that have my gift in this room, but the majority of you have a different gift. And that is a great thing. Because if we all had the same gift, we would not be able to carry out the mission and vision of our church to be able to build a transformational community by growing in love with Christ and all people, to be able to show that every person matters. We would not do that nearly as well if we all had the same gift. We'd be a bunch of chefs arguing over how this is done. We'd be a bunch of people all trying to do the same thing. And so it is a great thing that you have a different gift than you and you and you and you. Because when we come together, we form one body, and we can do so much more together than we could apart. And so we're different together, and that is a wonderful and beautiful thing. So let me uh, say here, verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ, and each of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now eagerly desire the greater gifts, and yet I will show you a mo the most excellent way. So did Paul just say like a whole time saying that none of them are more important than others, and then he's like, but let me rank them for you. Like that's not what he's doing, though it looks like that. What he's actually doing, I think, is he's saying this is the first gift you need to plant a church. So he's talking about the process of forming a church. So the first one you need is you need an apostle. You need somebody who is a missionary, who is a church planner, to go to a city that there's never been someone there who shared the gospel, and you share Jesus. And then you need someone to come behind them that has this gift of prophecy, that they can give a vision for what God wants to do with that church in that city. And then you need someone to come behind them that has this gift to teach, that would teach the people inside the church and help them to have this understanding, and then there's all these gifts after that. And then he gives all these rhetorical questions. Are all apostles? And the answer should be no. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. And he goes on and on with all these other gifts that are, no, 
They aren't all, like everybody doesn't have this gift. So if you're a church that's all trying to speak in tongues and the answer to the question is everybody have this is no, then why are you trying to make everybody speak in tongues? Why are you pushing people out that don't have that gift? That it's crucial we have all these different gifts and obviously you already know that we're not gonna all have the same gift. So what are we doing? So Paul is wanting us to know that we're different together and that is a great thing. We are different, but we should be different together. We should be unified around the same mission, around the same vision, around the same goals, and that should drive us to work together as one body. That some of us might be hands, and some might be feet, and some might be ears, and some might be eyes, and some might be a mouth, but we need each other because we can't do this alone. And if we try, we're not gonna form well-rounded disciples who know and love Jesus and reflect him in a powerful way. And so we're different together. We all have different gifts, but they bring us together when we're unified around a common mission. That it is a beautiful thing to be able to see someone who does something that you can't do and to be able to rejoice in that and say, this is fantastic. This is wonderful that you can do that because I can't. And if you weren't here, our church would miss out on that thing. Or I'd be trying to do it and people would be going, please stop. So it is so good that you were here using your gift. And while each of us is different from the other, while we have different gifts from one another, we are unified together by the Holy Spirit, our faith in Jesus Christ, and our adoption by God the Father. We are unified to build up the church and be a beacon of hope and light in this part of the world that desperately needs it. That we want the city of Kearney to see more and more the love of Christ through the diversity we have in our gifts as we use them together as one church body, as one church family. So as we wrap up this morning, I have two takeaways that I want you to consider. The first one is, would you make margin in your life to use your gift? Would you make margin in your life to use your gift? So when you ask someone how they're doing, a lot of times the answer is busy. We're busy. We have have a lot going on. And that's understandable. All of us are in that boat. But what we want to do is we want to be able to make time in our lives to be able to use the gift that God has given us so we can help join this mission of building a transformational community by growing in love with Christ and all people, by joining this mission of making disciples. Because you have a gift. And if you're not using that gift, then we got to find other people. And if we have enough people that have the same gift that aren't using it, then we're trying to put other people that don't have that. And we're like noses trying to unlock iPhones. And we don't want that. So this is what happens. My guess is you probably know somebody that either has a motorcycle or maybe you have a motorcycle or you have a classic car or you have a really nice car. And it's a car that you won't drive every day. That you you drive it or you use it when the weather's really nice. And so there's maybe one one day a month you get it out or a few months of the year you get it out, but it's not every single day. And And it's a beautiful motorcycle or a beautiful car and you go and you look at it in the garage, you go, man, that's awesome. Man, I wish I could get it out more often. Don't let your spiritual gift be like that. Don't let it be something that you see and you go, man, this is such a gift that I have this, but I'm gonna use it once a month or once a year or a couple times a year. Don't let it be like that. That I encourage you, make margin to use that gift that God gave you and God equipped you with to help build up and equip our church to become more well-rounded disciples. So maybe you start by saying, okay, I'm gonna start by using it once a month. I'm gonna, my goal is to use my gift once a month, and then once you're using it once a month, you go, okay, now I'm gonna do it twice a month. 
until you get to a place where you get to use it every week. And it's not, it doesn't just sit in the garage, but you get to get that gift out every week and use it so that you get to be part of what God is doing here in Kearney. Second, second application is would you attend um, a spiritual gift class that we're going to have next month? So next month, maybe you could say, Jordan, this sounds great, but I don't know what my gift is. Like, I didn't see it on that list. I'm going to read the other two lists, but I, I just don't know if I have this gift or what gift I have. So we're going to offer a class in March where you can come and you can have the opportunity to find out what is my gift. Like, how has God wired me to be part of the community here and to serve and to build up the church body? What, did he make me a hand or a foot? Where did he make me? And so would you, if you say, I don't know my gift, like I have margin, but I don't, have a, I don't know what it is, would you come to this class? Because if you don't find out what your gift is, then you're like the person who has a billion dollars worth of buried treasure under their sidewalk. That 15 feet under their sidewalk, there's a billion dollars of buried treasure and they walk over it day after day when they go to get their mail. And they don't know what's there. And because they don't know what's there, it has no benefit to them. And if they knew what was there, it would change their life. And so would you not let your spiritual gift be like that? Be this hidden, buried treasure that you don't know is there, but instead would you attend this class next month so you can uncover that treasure, so that you can share it with our church family, that you can help equip more people, that the light of Christ might be shined in a brighter way here in Kearney, Nebraska. And then if you've already done those two things, would you join the mission? Would you join the mission and help us build a transformational community by growing in love with Christ and all people as we make disciples here in Kearney, Nebraska? Let's pray. Father God, God, I thank you. Thank you that you have gifted us in so many different ways. God, I rejoice that there are people in this room that have gifts that I don't have because it makes us so much better. It makes me dependent on them and them dependent on me. And so we're a family that we lock arms with one another and we say together we are better than on our own, that we are better together. God, would you help us to see each other as a unified group, that we would see each other as a body working together to accomplish one goal. God, for those that don't know what their gifts are, God, would you help them to discover those gifts? God, for those that know their gift, but they just don't have time, God, would you help them to see that one thing they might take off their calendar so they could put serving and put caring and put using that gift in somewhere on the calendar. And God, we are so grateful that you invite us to this. You don't need us. God, you could do all this without us, but you invite us, that you give us this gift and then you give us a place to use the gift. And then God, you come alongside of us and you help us and work with us as we use this gift for your glory. And God, I pray that your name might become more famous here, not the name of Carnegie Free, not the name of any of us, but your name, that more and more people would see how great and good Jesus is here, and that would transform and change lives and families in our city. God, we pray this all in your son's incredible name. Amen.